0: Hi everyone, Jeremy Magan, host of the Front Page Football World Cup podcast. What a second round it has been with Australia finally getting a win twelve years after the, their last one against Tunisia, and that's going to bring us to round three, and I mean an obviously, overly anticipated game against uh, Denmark. This pod will be recorded in, in two parts. In first part, I'm going to have a, a dear friend of mine and also football specialist Russ Gibbs is going to talk about everything World Cup and a bit of the England, and you'll see that um, the man has foresight. We recorded that before um, the game between um, between England and Wales, and he said the result will be 3-0, and at the 73rd minute, the result is 3-0 for England. So credit where it's due, Russ. Great, uh, great shout. Uh, and then in, in the second part of the podcast, I'll get uh, Bashir Ali, who's a... Danish football writer who's going to talk to us about the Denmark national football team and what to expect a few hours before the Danish face the the and, and you know that chance for Australia to finally go back to the round of 16 16 years later Anyway, um, the front page football podcast will start now. A bit of an hour of an episode, two part, like I said. Um, we'll put the timestamp in the uh, in the description. Thanks for uh, following front page football as usual. Don't hesitate to go and and read the articles as well. A couple of good stuff have been uh, published this week. Uh, and if you have any questions, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, everything is there. All right, front page football, welcome podcast episode three starts now. <laughs> it's the third episode of this world cup special and with me a very special guest uh russ gibbs all the way from from canberra where i live as well uh, a good friend and uh and a bit of a mentor in in my
1: commentating life how are you russ i'm very good thanks jeremy cheers for having me on your world cup special
0: well, I'm I'm very happy to have you. For our listeners who who, who don't know you, although you've been on this uh, on this podcast for the Euro a couple last year or something, and yeah, and, then, uh, and then and then you've been mentioned quite a few times. Um, do you want to just introduce yourself and, and tell us what you do and what relates you to football?
1: Yeah, well, um, obviously, my name is Russ Gibbs. I'm the media the manager of communications and commentary uh, for Capital Football and Canberra United in the Liberty Women's A League, um, and I'm a football commentator in Australia. I do um, all the MPL matches in Canberra, Australia Cup, um, and I've also done uh, Men's A-League, Liberty Women's A-League. Uh, just last week, I did six internationals featuring Solomon Islands, Fiji, Papua New Guinea, and the Young Matildas. Um, and I've done Young Matildas against New Zealand and many, many football matches. And alongside yourself, of course, we've been doing some futsal in the new capital futsal league which is a brilliant new competition we've got here in Canberra where they're playing stop clock on international courts so basically uh, my life revolves around um, being paid to watch football write about football and talk about football which i think is everybody's dream isn't it it,
0: it is everybody's dream a true uh, media media professional and and you also um uh, and i know that you also help or write some books as well what was the latest one um writing shotgun but with yeah, andy burnell? Shotgun,
1: I, yeah um, i helped um, andy burnell massage his autobiography he, he wrote all um, the words for it sent it across to me um i tidied out for him put some linking passages for him it's all his own words um but i just helped him with the with the structure and um how he can uh tell his story because he's got a great story as well and a fan- fantastic individual and if you get the chance to read the book um definitely pick up a copy of riding shotgun because you'll hear all about andy's andy's life and and as, he, as I said, as he wrote it and I helped him massage it, it's, it's all in his own words and you can feel his voice coming through. It's a, re- it's a really good project. I enjoyed that. And also write um, books for local football as well. Every year we do a, a yearbook and that kind of thing. And when I came back from uh, the Futsal Roo's World Cup in Colombia, I wrote a book about that adventure as well, which was rather nice. But yeah, so I'll try and get around to, to, to chronicling what's happening around the world if we can
0: that's awesome a busy individual i did read *Riding uh, writing shotgun and it is definitely worth the read a uh, an amazing story uh, across a couple of continents uh, and uh, and a real yeah a real great story that andy bernal um had and a great football player of course uh, of course your accent sort of says it as well there's a little bit of english blood um there and uh, and and the world cup is on so between uh, between you me there's France, Australia, and and England half covered, and then you mentioned it. You've traveled uh, around the world. I also know that you are involved in the uh, in the Asian Cup in in 2015, yeah. the one that Australia won. So I know that we are in good hands as far as football knowledge goes um, today. We're going
1: I'll, to. I'll also, i also chuck in there. I lived in Wales for 15 years as well, so I can give you a little bit about the Welsh boys too. And you,
0: you'll be you'll be ready for tomorrow morning then. Uh, Speaking of, we are recording this uh, podcast on uh, Tuesday night Australian time, and so by the time the podcast is released, the the third game for Group A and Group B will have been played. So, uh, so excuse us if we uh, if we say a couple of things that prove to be untrue by the time uh, th- those games are played, but it's also the p- part of the fun. So, the second game of this World Cup, owl. Behind us now, uh, and, and only three teams are qualified after two rounds: uh, France, Brazil, and, and Portugal. The only three teams who, who managed to win both their games. Uh, three teams have not conceded uh, a goal yet, which is a, which is quite defeat. Poland with their uh, with their goalkeeper, of course, from from Juventus Cezny. Uh, Morocco, who who had a goalkeeper each for each game. Uh, Bounou from Sevilla for the first game, and then uh, Munir, despite Bounou being here for the. Uh, uh, for the anthem, Munir, uh, the former goalkeeper of Malaga, who's now in uh, in Alweda, in in sorry, in Saudi Arabia, was the keeper. And Brazil, with Alison from Liverpool, are the three teams that have not conceded. Uh, ten teams haven't lost yet: the Netherlands, Ecuador, England. Uh, we mentioned, of course, Poland, France, Morocco, Brazil, Portugal, uh, and Spain and Croatia as well. Um, so so it, it might feel like it was maybe a. Uh, sort of a defensive-ish World Cup. We saw a few 0-0. But there's three teams who have scored already six goals or more uh, in in the first two games. Spain and England, who have done the job in one game, uh, and France. uh, And we only have two players at the top of the goal-scoring ladder. Ener Valencia, who actually scored all three goals for his country, Ecuador, and Kian Mbappé, uh, somehow as expected, uh, who scored half of the the goal for France. Uh, Russ,
1: your general feeling about this World Cup so far? I've enjoyed it, to be honest. I mean, there has been some 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 um, defensive-minded games. I think a lot of the nine o'clock matches that we get here, the first games, wherever you're watching in the world, the first one of the day, tends to be a little bit slower. Um, probably something to do with the heat, I would imagine, mm-hmm. um, in the afternoon. And they've been rather cagey, those matches. But it's, it's picked up, hasn't it? I mean, we had some really good games in the first round, but this second round that we've just seen, some wonderful games of football some great goals scored and I think it's ticking along rather nicely we've had the odd upset or two but it's been very much enjoyable in the main and um yeah there's been some moments that have been a bit dull but you know we, we're talking about a football world cup I mean not every single game is going to be brilliant is it because it's all about just getting results
0: Yeah, everybody wants to go to the to the next round between uh between that bicycle kick from Richard Lisson and that Ladol goal from Abu Bakr from Cameroon. Mm-hmm. What's what, what's your favourite goal of the tournament so far? Could be another one. Well,
1: I'm, I'm going to pick another one because I really like the goal that Mitrovic scored for Serbia um, in the 3-1, to put them 3-1 up. That that teamwork where they, they had four or five passes and just almost walked it in the net was absolutely beautiful to watch. And you could see the way that they all um reacted to it, that, that it was a move that they'd obviously tried before and, and it just worked beautifully for them. And it was... I love seeing goals like that you know it brings us back to what we were talking about with the futsal um it's just a really good team goal those two goals you talked about brilliant individual skill and uh the, the second one the the cameroonian lad um very much paborsky-esque um <laughs> from from euro 96 wasn't it and mm-hmm. great finish unfortunately for him yeah everyone thought he was 10 miles offside so he didn't get to celebrate it quite as much as he would have would have done so um, but yeah, I, I think the Serbian goal has been my favourite so far. It's been a it's been a cracker outside of obviously the six that England scored. <laughs>
0: right, a, a team that struggled surprisingly or unsurprisingly uh, are the hosts um, Qatar, the first host in in World Cup history, um, not to score a goal in their first game uh, and to win their to lose sorry their first um, two games. You know, we're in Asia, we're seeing. Um, we've seen Qatar playing in the Asia Cup, etc. They, they didn't seem that they were going to be that bad. Were you surprised? I think it's down to the nerves or, or, or just the talent and, and the group that they're in?
1: A little bit of A, a little bit of B, I think, to be honest, Jeremy. I mean, you, you watch what they've got. They've put out on the park. I've watched them in, in both their games and that they, they, work, they work hard, they try hard, but they've just not got the quality of the teams they're coming up against. I mean, that first game, um, they were fortunate not to lose by more than two, in my opinion. And um, they got caught out in the second game as well you, you know it's difficult when you're a host nation too uh, you would have lived it with France the expectation that's piled on you and particularly for a team that's never qualified for a World Cup before they've never um played in a in a in a major tournament that they've qualified for as such um they got to, uh to the semi finals I think it was of the um mm-hmm. Gold Cup one year and 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 they've imported a lot of players it, I think the performances from them were what I personally expected. I think they would have hoped to have done a bit better. But judging from what we've seen for them pre, pre-tournament, pre I mean, they went to Linfield in Northern Ireland in June um, and lost 1-0 to them. And, you know, that's not ideal preparation, is it? And mm-hmm. from that, you're looking at it going, well, maybe we expected what we've got from them. But, you know, they're out at the moment. And, you know, it's been disappointing for them, but at least they got a goal to celebrate.
0: Yeah, at, at least there, there's that. Let's talk about teams that have uh, succeeded and we are going to go to uh, to your mother country um, for a bit. So I, w- I want to hear from you um, what you think about the, the three Lions in that competition. Uh, 6-2 win uh, against Iran with a, a pretty terrific first half. Uh, and then a, I don't know if it was disappointing, but I guess definitely slower, 0-0 against the, the USA. What have you thought of uh, of Gareth Starsgate and, and the boys so far?
1: Well, uh, as you can see, if you're watching on the video, you're hearing it. I've actually got the World Cup with me here, replica trophies. So it is coming, coming home. home. <laughs> Definitely coming home. You know, brought one in one replica of the trophy here. Um, it's already ready to go. Uh, in, in, in in seriousness, though, I mean, the first game was everything you hoped it would be and more from an England point of view, because we don't normally start tournaments very well. Um, we're usually quite cagey. We're pretty ordinary. To go out and score six times against the, the team that was ranked 20th in the world, the number one team, um, in Asia, and the way they played, they could have had a lot more. And they looked really good. The handbrake was off. They were playing some good football. They scored some great goals. Lovely goal from um, Saka, the second one, uh, beautifully taken. Um, and all of them were pretty well, pretty well taken. And you look at the talent they brought off the bench. Marcus Rashford scored within 15 seconds. Jack Grealish scored. Phil Foden came off the bench, and it all looked, all looked very rosy and, and very good. And then the American game, which, which. Credit to America in the first instance. I thought they played very well. They were very good. They were the better side Um, in Pulisic. They had their player of the match by far, in my opinion. Um, They looked the most likely to score. Um, Only some good defensive work from um, Harry Maguire and and cohort kept them out, I think. And and America would probably deserve to win the game on the balance of it, from what I saw. So from an England point of view, pretty disappointing second game. Um, Everything that they'd done in the first game was kind of lost in terms of momentum. But they've still got plenty of quality in that team. I'd like to see Southgate be a bit more ambitious in his selection. Um, most English fans would. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, let's be honest. He's got them to a, a World Cup semi-final in 2018 and a Euro, Euro final in 2021, playing cautiously, um, not really releasing defender uh, attackers into, into the game plan, but playing what we would call tournament football, um, not conceding winning games. So at the moment, four points from two games, I think they'll be happy with it. I mean, the goal difference is a really big bonus, uh, which means that they can go into the match with Wales, knowing that uh, a draw would probably do enough for them to go through, um, you know, win tops of group anyway. You don't win the World Cup in the first game. You don't win the World Cup in the second game. You've got to build towards something. So I think that nil-nil draw, very much like it was in Euros, if you... You'll forget about it after a while as long as everything goes all right in the next match but in the main reasonably happy with the way they've gone um but knowing that there's room for improvement which player um i guess
0: surprised you the most that with their performance with england um like it's almost like it, is harry maguire or jude bellingham the uh, the surprise of this competition you almost expected not almost not much anymore from maguire
1: well from an england point of view harry maguire is always pretty good for england um, he generally plays tournament football well for England. I think it's because he's on the left side of of, of the three. Normally, um, he's got players around him that that compensate for him, and the pressure's not quite as much on him because there's other world class individuals around him too. And I thought he's played usually plays reasonably well for England. The last game, I thought he was very good. But Jude Bellingham in the first match was brilliant, um, very very good. Um, didn't quite get involved as much as I would have liked to get involved in the second game uh, to cause America problems. Um, in the final third but they marshaled the, the English attack pretty well. Harry Kane was fairly anonymous he had to come back deep to collect which I don't particularly like from my my tactics because when when Harry Kane comes back there's a real lack of options through the middle um, and you'd like to think that with the quality England have in midfield he doesn't need to do that and you understand why he does it to drag people out of position but sometimes you could see there was no outlet it was going wide and there was no one in there and he's been disappointing for me but He's a goal scorer, a bit a bit like Ronaldo. his sheer presence means that people are, are gonna to have to take him seriously. And yeah, so for me, Bellingham and Maguire have been very, very good. Um wanna see a bit more from from the rest of them attacking wise. Uh Mason Mounts, Mason Mount. I mean, he, he did from again from a personal perspective, he's not my favourite player to watch. I don't know what he brings. In saying that, he'll probably get a hat trick tomorrow morning now then this will <laughs> go out and make us all look rather silly <laughs> but yeah so i think i think they can be particularly pleased with the way bellingham and maguire have gone and um yeah more more work to do but you know four points is where we're at
0: four points and and at the top of group b uh iran is just behind with three points then the, the usa with two points wales win one point so unless i'm i'm really bad at math you're definitely going through um, to the round of 16, regardless of what happened, because even if you... Uh, no, there's a slight chance. A loss against Wales, a very bad loss against Wales from like 7-0, and, and a win between Iran and the US somewhere would uh, would get you out. So there's a chance
1: that you, England doesn't go out, but we'll say it's a very slim chance. Um, with how yeah, far do you think... Wales have to win 4-0 to knock England out tomorrow.
0: And And you would need either Iran or the US to win as well.
1: If that's it's right. A draw yeah. There, then you're okay.
0: So, so it would take a few things for England not to be be going to the next round. How far do you expect them to be if we if we think that they will get to the round of 16?
1: Yeah, that's a loaded question, isn't it? Uh, hmm. <laughs> uh, realistically, head or hearts. I mean, you know, you look at teams that that have won things and they generally have to lose things to win things. Um, I look at uh, the fact that they lost in the semi in 2018. They lost in the Euros final and they perhaps could have won that. Um, I haven't seen any teams that have really stood out for me in this World Cup and put their hand up and gone, we're definitely going to win this thing. France have been, have been impressive, but there's been moments when you looked at them and gone, well, okay, they're beatable, they've got they've got deficiencies. Brazil are the same, Portugal, the teams that are they're already qualified and are winning games. So I think given, given a favourable draw, um, I think it will be Ecuador or, or Senegal perhaps in the next round. Um, be a tough, tough tie. I mean, you will they're all difficult games in the world cup, there's no easy ones, but if they can get past that, then you're into quarterfinal territory, aren't you? And, and and then it's anyone's game. Realistically, I'd like to see they could get to the semi finals at least. Um, I think that's probably where they'll be aiming at going well, we should be aiming for the semi finals, considering what was achieved last time. But are they good enough to win it? Oh, I mean. You need a huge amount of things to go your way to win a World Cup, don't you? You need world-class quality in, in every ranks. You can win competitions, of course, with a um, with a team that perhaps isn't regarded as world-class. We always look back at um, Greece winning the Euros when they just fantastic team ethic. Wonderful, wonderful performances. Defended like Trojans and scored goals at crucial times. And that's what you need. Every World Cup winning team needs a good goal scorer. You mentioned the guys that have got three goals already. Um, in Enna Valencia and Gillian Mbappé. To win a World Cup, I think you need a striker that's going to get you five or six goals. England have got that in Harry Kane if he starts firing. Um, I think there's, I think nobody around the world will question the fact that he is a world-class finisher. Um, you need good, solid defence, which I think they've got. Um, you need good, creative midfielders, which they have. However, it depends on whether Gareth Southgate picks them. <laughs> um, and they need an awful lot of luck to go their way to do so. I mean... There'll be obviously a lot of people in England tub thumping if they get through the next couple of rounds, and you know enjoying it and saying it's coming home. But you know, realistically, I think most of us are thinking semi-finals is probably probably where it ends for us.
0: And it's a young team that is progressing. You mentioned the semi-final four years ago, the the final last year at the Euro. Uh, It is still a young generation, but bar maybe um, Maguire and, and Trippier and Kane. Uh, everybody yeah. is is sort of in early to mid twenties. I mean, Bellingham is still a teenager, uh, so so it's uh, it's definitely a generation that is growing, and and I'm looking forward to see uh, to to see where they go. Uh, you gave us a, a good segue there into the the team that weren't um, convincing yet. I mean, I know that you're an avid Manchester United fan. I'm sure you you must have enjoyed that goal from from Casemiro. Um, mm. Brazil is winning, but Brazil isn't um, completely
1: dominating their games either. No, they're not, are they? And and I think that's probably a surprise, considering um, who they've played. I mean, they have played a couple of European sides, which have uh, which have caused them issues. I mean, this I think a lot of this can we can trace back to COVID um, having real disruptions to the plans. I think I, I read somewhere that Brazil haven't or Argentina haven't played a European side since about 2019, mm-hmm. and and it and it's a big difference, you know. And it'd be the same for the European sides having not played teams from outside their GFG, draft geographical region for quite some time because of covid limiting travel etc cetera, etc cetera. so these sides are coming up against players and, and to systems and formations that perhaps they're not quite so familiar with and and it's taking them a little bit longer to break them down i mean brazil have got quality and abundance haven't they i mean there's players all over the park and on the bench that are just outstanding i mean the goal coming from casemiro this morning you know the, probably the least likely player on the park you'd expect <laughs> to, to be to be in that position to score that goal um the loss of Neymar for them for a couple of games mm-hmm. probably won't hurt them so much in some factors that they need to under- to play without him. I mean, I think you watched him at Paris Saint-Germain and he can be quite a divisive figure. Um, world-class footballer, without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, technical skills to die for. But sometimes you've got to understand how you can play without your your world-class and your best players, and they've done that. And, and as I'll allude to what I mentioned earlier on, you don't win the World Cup in the first couple of matches You've got to just win your games and get through. And you can start worrying about performances a little bit later on. And they've got the points, haven't they? They've won the two games. I think you mentioned they haven't conceded a goal yet. And it goes back to what I've said before. Strong strong defence that don't concede. Players that can score goals. Uh, creativity and talent. And they've got the lot. Will we expect more from them? Yeah, I think we will. Will we see more from them? Probably. Um, they're Brazil. And they're always a joy to watch. On the other hand, they do have a tendency; they could implode. And my my personal opinion is, I think they'll go a long way. They've got some great players. Um, it's going to be interesting to see.
0: Well, I mean, they last time they went um, far-ish in in the competition was the semi-final at home, right? And they lose, uh, and they lose seven-one mm-hmm. to a, a dramatic end of their tournament uh, against Germany. So, yeah, you can go, you can go either way with Brazil. We never know. Uh, we never know what's on the card. You're talking about player uh, teams playing without their uh, their potentially best player um, we're going to go to france a little bit for a second and uh karim benzema who, who's the ballon d'or and who hasn't played uh which hasn't been an issue for france some would argue that on the contrary not having benzema actually helps france because there's less people trying to uh to touch the ball and and Giroud can be the real uh anchor france of course beat australia for one and, and then they beat denmark um 2-1 in in round two which, which get them through is that another team that feels um, that they'll go far because again of that, that sheer defensive power and and the talent everywhere else on the
1: park. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, you look at the the squad that they've got, and uh, we talked about it pre-tournament. Um, I thought the only area of concern for them, where the depth wasn't huge, was midfield, and yet the midfield has been excellent. Um, Rabiot has been playing superbly. Um, scored a really nice goal the other day as well. There's talent abound in that French team, and. They, they they know how to score goals. I mean, on the Benzema front, um, you like you say, it's a double-edged sword. and You can look at it both ways. You can say without him there, it frees up Mbappe to do what he does because Giroud is your main target man. He's not really going to run those channels that Benzema would. Um, but you're missing out on a player that's in the prime form of his absolute life and a wonderful goal scorer. And that kind of player that you've seen it with Real Madrid, just in the big games when you need a moment, This season's been his moment and he's picked them all the time. I think the goals he scored in the Champions League at a ridiculous rate um, at crucial moments against top-class sides, you miss that and everyone's going to miss it. Uh, Fortunately for for your guys, and I'll call them your guys, um, you've got Mbappe. And when you've got a player of that quality, the, the first five minutes of that Australian game, when he oh. he skinned the um, Goodwin at fullback a couple of times, and you're like, or well, Atkinson, I think it might have been, just sheer pace, sheer pace, and and you just yeah. can't defend it. Um, and you look at the way he scores goals. I mean, we've discussed off air on many times in the past when we've had conversations about his <laughs> finishing ability. It's not world class, is it? I mean, he does miss a lot of chances, but the goals he gets are just insanely good. So uh, I think if he when it's horrible to think, from a from an English point of view, that he's what is the early twenties. This guy's going to be around forever, and when he matures to be the age that Benzema is, and he's got more maturity in his finishing, he could be anything. I mean, we're talking about Ronaldo, Messi. I think we're going to be talking Haaland, Mbappe for another decade.
0: Yeah, for a bit. Hopefully, for you, uh, players like Billingham and and maybe Foden or Sancho can uh, can put their names in in that yeah. hat as well. But yeah, Mbappe and and Alan are. Are, are definitely something else. In in that French group, there's the the country we both live in, Australia. Australia, who uh, who had a historical win against Tunisia on uh, on Saturday 9 p.m. here prime time for us. Uh, their, their first win since uh, 2010 in the World Cup, their first clinch it in the World Cup since um, 1974, uh, and a win that allows them to to dream at a potential uh, at a potential round of 16 if they're able to not lose. Against Denmark, um, it's it's tomorrow, not the day after. Uh, at two AM, lovely lovely time for us to wake up. <laughs> um, what did you think of the performance of the Socceroos so far?
1: Um, first game, I think they we happen got what they we expected. To be honest, uh, most people will think that they they didn't fight enough. I thought the fighting spirit was fine. You're playing against a world class side. Um, they took their chances. I think losing four one to France was. Maybe more than we would hope for, but I think that was probably what we expected. The second game, though, I mean, they got their goal and didn't they hang on? I mean, it wasn't the best performance, but defensively it was heroic. Harry Suter was absolutely outstanding in defence, off the back of what, one league match last year? I think it might have been, and he was just brilliant. And the way they defended and they threw themselves at it, and they had a bit of luck on the way. Tunisia should have scored a couple of goals, I think, but... You get your goal and it was a bit fortunate with the way it ricocheted to Mitch Duke, but the way he took it was was brilliant. Lovely um, header into the far corner. And when you get in front as Australia, as we well, well know very well, what they do do is they hang on well. They can defend. You give teams something to defend and they will defend. They'll throw bodies in the line. They might lack the technical quality of, of some of the opposition, but they, they won't lack for fight and determination. Um, Denmark match is going to be really hard for them. Because we've got a coming up against Denmark side that needs a win. Um, and when you're playing European sides and they need a win, we've seen that they generally can find one. Um, they find a performance. Nothing to be scared of, though, I think, from an Australian point of view. Uh, they're a good side, Denmark. They've beaten France, I think, twice in the last year, which is no mean feat. I mean, to beat France once is is, is pretty good, but to beat them twice is, is very good. Uh, so they're a good side. And we've seen the quality they've got around their side, too. They need to win. I mean, yeah, we can dream. Uh, again, mm. heart v Head. Uh, Hart says that they'll get the point they need and, and knock Australia, uh, Denmark out. But realistically, I think I think it might be too much for them.
0: Yeah, Denmark is a is a quality team that I think we haven't seen yet. They were pretty disappointing against Tunisia and even mm. against France, bar that, that 10 minutes uh, where they equalise and then they have a couple of chances to score another one. Uh, they didn't offer a lot, and they they lined up two different, completely um attacks against Zealand and against France. So they've also struggled to find what their starting eleven is. so i'm I'm very curious of seeing what they could do uh, uh, against against Australia. We've had a couple of upsets in uh, in that World Cup. Of course, everybody has spoken about Saudi Arabia beating Argentina and the uh, the national holidays that uh, and suited in in Riyadh. Uh, Japan was beaten Germany, but then loses to Costa Rica. Uh, Croatia finally waking up and, and beating Canada. Morocco beat Belgium. Uh, which one of those um, upsets or, or shocks or I guess an expected result uh, you think was uh, was the most sort of like defining?
1: Uh, I'm gonna start with the, the, the latest one. Morocco beating beating Belgium. Um, I don't see that as much of a shock. I think this Belgium generation uh, has, has probably passed its peak. Yeah, they're playing with two thirty, thirty plus, thirty-five plus, thirty-six-year-old central defenders in Aldevira and Vertonghen. A pacey set set of forwards is going to cause them all sorts of issues. Um, you you then reliant very much on what's going on further forward. A half for Eden Hazard. It looks like a Romelu Lukaku that that they haven't even risked yet because they're like, well, he's not quite ready. If he's not quite ready, why is he why is he there? You know, I mean, you've mm-hmm. got to chuck your best players in, and then an over reliance perhaps on Kevin De Bruyne. Um, to, to pull the strings. And they've been caught napping a couple of times defensively. So maybe that's not as much of a shock as people thought. You know, you look at the rankings and you can go, oh, yeah, that's a, a big shock. But I thought Morocco thoroughly deserved that. They played very well and and got the goals at critical times and, and have won the game. So I And I think they're a very good footballing side, Morocco, too. So I don't think that's as much of a shock as Saudi Arabia beating Argentina. Now, we talked earlier in this podcast about riding your luck. And didn't they just? I mean, they could have been 4-0 down at half-time if they'd just timed the runs a bit better from from midfield and into into the forwards. I mean, I think it was Martinez was, was you know, so close to being onside twice, um, to score twice. Messi, I think, had one disallowed as well. They could have been at down and out at half-time, but the, the performance in the second half, I think that's what woke this World Cup up. I mean, people suddenly understand that it doesn't matter who you are or which country you are, you've got to turn up. You've got to turn up and play. <clears throat> on paper, you look at that, those games. You look at England versus the USA, and I know you've got quite a few American listeners on on your podcast. And most England fans will look at it going against America, going, "Well, they should win that game." But you don't. You've got to beat the sides that's there. I mean, and America were brilliant, and I thought they were very, very good. Belgium, Morocco, they'd be the same thing. And I think a lot of Argentinian fans were going, "Well, Saudi Arabia, it's three points to start the group, and they came unstuck." And all credit to Saudi Arabia. Because um, I think outside of people being Argentinian and apologise to all my Argentinian friends that are watching, the rest of the world was probably cheering on Saudi Arabia and getting right behind them when they scored their goals. And then they defended. They had, again, talking about Australia, They um, Saudi Arabia had a lead. They had something to defend. And when you've got something to defend in a World Cup and you're trying to get this big gold trophy that sat down next to me on my bed, um, the <laughs> replica of, you'll throw your body on the line for it. And we've seen it many times down the years. And for, so for me, I think that's the biggest shock. Nice to see Costa Rica get a win over Japan. Mm-hmm. Again, they wrote their luck on that one and, and scored on the breakaway. Um, very intriguing group, that one. Uh, the, their victory over Germany. Again, would you class it as a shock? I mean, yes, based on the rankings on and on national performances, but not on the day. I mean, mm-hmm. Yeah, Germany probably had plenty more chances. Uh, but Japan took their opportunity. So it's been great, hasn't it? So, But for me, biggest shock so far would have to be Saudi Arabia beating Argentina. The other ones you could look at, if you told me they would have happened beforehand, I'd go, OK, I could see that happening. Saudi Arabia beating Argentina, I think, would have been pie in the sky for me, but what a performance.
0: Yeah, and, and in that group, see, it means that Argentina um, needs to win against Poland to go through. And that's not easy feat against one of those three teams that hasn't Consider a goal, yet anything else than a win, um, and and they'll be out because Saudi Arabia, Mexico, whatever the result is, if Argentina doesn't win, one of the team will go will go in front of them. So they definitely put them into a a predicament for uh, for Messi's very last um, very last World Cup, as as he announced it, and as obviously everybody knew. Uh, there's a few games, of course, in in round three to to look out for. Uh, there's a, there's a couple completely non-political games tomorrow morning, Iran against USA and Wales against England, because this World Cup is not political. Um, and, and of course there's Poland, Argentina and Australia, Denmark, we've talked about it, but it's quite fun, right? Having a third round where bar three teams, um, every single team has something to play. So we're going to see most likely some, uh, some pretty insane, uh, end of game. Which game are you, I guess, the most looking forward to or which game are you definitely not going to miss?
1: Well, I can't miss England-Wales. Um, as mentioned earlier, I lived in Wales for 15 years, being English myself. Um, I can't miss that one in the morning. That one's going to be a cracker. Um, I think Poland-Argentina's got real potential to be, a, to be a very good match. I mean, Poland have got a strong side and you know we all know the quality of, of Lewandowski up front. He finally got the monkey off the back of scoring his first ever goal in a world cup so that might free him up and there's nothing more dangerous than a than a fired up and and raring to go robert Lewandowski. we've seen that many many years that game's really intriguing for me but as you mentioned there's so many because for the first time in a long time you said you said it yourself there's only three teams through already going into the last round of games and that makes everything to play for we're going to get a lot of people i think on their phones watching a game or split screens going you know which one do i watch and you know there's been a goal here and those standings you know at the as they stand tables will be going up and down backwards and forwards um it's going to be really really entertaining i think netherlands even netherlands qatar this morning uh, mm-hmm. coming up morning our time the dutch um need a victory qatar will want to go out on on a high they though they've got nothing to lose i'm sure they'll throw everything at that one so yeah it's great to see and i think we've been starved of it over this covid enforced era um where we've not had these cross um continent matches or they've been very rare um, I think that's why we had what 80,000 odd at Wembley to watch Argentina Italy in that final finalissima a couple of couple of months back and there's real hunger for it and it's been great to watch as you mentioned kickoff times for us now become a little bit prohibitive which is great a little bit less sleep um, but you know we only do it once every four years before we go on to the Euros and Copa America and Asian Cup and everything else <laughs>
0: We might, we might as well, to 2, 2 a.m. and 6 a.m. I'm going to put you on the spot for two uh, two predictions to to finish our little episode. Uh, one of them about the game tomorrow, so then we can really look stupid when the pod uh, is released. Wales-England, yeah. <laughs> Who? what do you think is the the final result of that game?
1: Oh, Wales always <laughs> lift themselves for England. They always do. Um, but England have far too much quality. I think I'm going to go 3-0 England.
0: Bold, I, I like that. Um, and uh, and the final winner, um, I guess you know, everybody threw Argentina and Brazil's name into their hat very early on. Um, two games into the competition, who do you think can can bring it home?
1: Well, I'm gonna say England. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've said, my, my I've said this to you before, I think, and um, it's gonna a little piece of me is gonna die inside, but I think France. Uh, might just be the side to, to reclaim the World Cup, win it um, back-to-back, I think, because you look across their side, there's just sheer quality. Um, there's so many quality players in every position. They can even afford to lose um, massive talents that aren't in the squad. We've talked about Benzema, um, Rafa Varane. Even, even the uh, um, Instagram king, Paul Pogba himself, seems <laughs> to lift himself for World Cups, doesn't he? So that's a miss for you guys too, but... I'd have to say, if I'm a betting man, uh, my money will be on France to win the whole thing, but you will probably lose two-one to England in the final. <laughs> you better hear first. France is uh, is
0: an English favourite for uh, for the World Cup. Russ, thank yeah. you so much for for spending a bit of time uh, with us on this uh, special um, World Cup episodes. Um, I mean, I know that we'll we'll see you again on that pod between now and the end of the uh, of the World Cup, and uh, and if France do it's win, good. I'll shout you a mila. Uh, at Tallygow Estate, you you deserve that.
1: Oh, superb! I look forward to it. And I'll bring and when we when we do it, I'll bring I'll bring the World Cup for you, and you can hold it for four years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Keep it in my closet for the next four years. What, what do you have it Absolutely. anyway? When when did you win the World Cup?
1: <laughs> uh, well, I, I actually, um, I was given it as a as a present, so I think it was the closest that England are ever going to get to having a World Cup. <laughs> so <laughs> it sits in my room next to my Premier League trophy.
0: <laughs> in, any Englishman is, who's wondering, it is already home. It's not coming home. It is already home. Yeah, it's uh, coming to my
1: house.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Raz, thank you so much. Thanks for, for taking a bit of time to to re- record this part with me.
1: Yeah, thanks for having us on. I really enjoyed it. I love watching the World Cup and talking about it. I think every football fan does and everybody's got different opinions on, on who's going to do what and what we've seen and everything. And that's the beauty about it is it brings lots of nationalities together and we can all discuss the relative merits of our sides and everybody else's and we all, it's nice to have a different opinion isn't it on different nationalities about what what your team does well and wrong because when we watch our own teams we are blinded a little by by what we think are our deficiencies and what we think are our superb players and and, and it's nice to get a different view and <laughs> well actually they're all rubbish
0: <laughs> they they all are except France, because they're going to win but we, we all know that already <laughs> thanks for Take care, man.
1: thank you thank you
0: Thanks, Russ, for this uh, great um, shout on, on the Walker podcast. Let's go to part two, where I was able to talk to a Danish football writer to talk about everything Denmark. Bashir Ali starts now. We are recording Australian time 7 a.m. on Tuesday morning. So we are about, I'm going to do quick math, 19 hours from uh, the final clash uh, of the of the group D between Australia and Australia. And Denmark, and to talk about it, a, a very special guest for me, a, a specialist of the Denmark national team uh, that will enlighten us on, on what the expectations are on that side of the world. Uh, Bashir Ali, how are you, Bashir?
2: I'm good, man. How are you?
0: Very good. Thanks for giving us some time. Uh, for anybody who, who doesn't know Bashir, please go and, and follow him on, on Twitter. Uh, Bashir is an avid follower of the um, Denmark football team and also of of Danish football, and you'll find him uh, on on Bashir Ali, and he's got a a pretty good blog with a lot of very interesting articles about football in general, and and Denmark in particular. Uh, It's Bashir FTBL. Bashir, do you want to quickly introduce yourself uh, to to our listeners, both in Australia and and around the world, and uh, and tell us what got you, I guess, into football to
2: start with? Yeah, man, um, as you said, my name is Bashir, and I cover uh, Danish football in general, uh, mostly on my Twitter, but I also have a bit of a blog. Um, and I've always followed the, the national team from, from being a kid, so you always follow the national team. Um, as for the local league, I've kind of been following it on and off. But uh, for the past two, three years, I've been an avid follower and, and, and watching it and writing articles about it. Um, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much it.
0: I did read on your, uh, on your Twitter bio that you are an Arsenal fan. We are in the, in the same boat there and, uh, and what a good year it's been for the, for the Gunners so far. Uh, All Mm -hmm. right, let's talk about what, uh, what we're here for the, the World Cup. Uh, we're going, we're going to jump into Denmark just a little bit after, but uh, first, I mean, you know, what's your overall feeling about this World Cup so far?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's been quite an interesting World Cup. There's been uh, some some good some good football, um, some surprising results as well. Um, but yeah, I think overall it's been quite entertain, entertaining. So I've I've actually enjoyed it a lot.
0: Yeah, and, and where you are, I think the the timings are a bit friendlier than uh, than us here in, in Australia, where you can watch the games during the day. In here. We we get treated to that 9 p.m. game for the whole first round, uh, and then second round it's it's either 2 a.m. or 6 a.m. So uh, so it won't be it won't be easy. Right now, um, the names of the teams that are qualified, of course, France, Brazil, and Portugal made it after the second round, and because we are recording uh, at 7 a.m. during the second round. Of games of round three, I'm going to get there. uh We also know that Senegal and the Netherlands are going through, and right now the US are beating Iran, uh, and Wales and England are drawing, which means that the US and England would go through as it stand at halftime for the for those two games But let's look at the game that it interests the the Australians uh, and and the Danish people, um Denmark against Australia in, in a few. In a few hours by the time this this pod gets published um the the denmark national team bashir not a win yet just one goal that header um from from anderson sort of as a as an answer uh from from that goal where where he kind of made a a bit of a mistake against france is that a disappointing start uh, or, or were there signs of that would be what the world cup is going to be for denmark
2: yeah it's definitely been disappointing um I mean, we didn't expect to to beat France. That was kind of weeks. Kind of, that was a game that was kind of written off. Um, but the Tunisia game was definitely the most kind of surprising. We struggled a lot with um, our chance creation and just a general attacking play. Um, looked very kind of careful, hesitant. So, um, yeah, and also we've had issues with our front three kind of clicking. So. That's been very disappointing as well. I think that's a major reason as to why we've we've struggled in terms of actually scoring goals. We've only scored one. So, the, yeah, the front, definitely.
0: The, the front three has changed for, for both games. Right. Sorry, I said Anderson, Andreas Christensen is what I meant to say. The the goal scorer. Um, the front three against Tunisia and against France completely changed. It was a uh, uh, it was Skov Olsen uh, who, who was up in the first game, and uh, Cornelius was up in the second game. Um there looks when, when I wrote about Denmark before the competition, I was saying that there's heaps of talent up there and on the wings. Um, you know, Norgard, Dolberg, Breastwaite, um of course um Lindstrom who as a Marseille fan um hurt us uh, earlier in the in the competition in uh, in Champions League. What what do you put that through that, that they're struggling to, to really click and, and work together?
2: I think it's a combination of things like Sko Olsen and Damsko in the last tournament in the Euros were very instrumental for us in terms of the success that we had. Um, both of them have been quite below par in this tournament. So, And also the, the front, like the number nine, uh, both Dahlbeck, Cornelius have been better, but both of them haven't really been up to par either. So um, that's definitely played a role. And I think also our fullbacks, Fullbacks have struggled. Mele was so instrumental. I think everybody remember. Well, he was like one of the standout players, Joachim Mele, uh, during the Euros. And he hasn't really been... He hasn't really hit his form. So we kind of rely on the fullbacks in terms of like attacking play. And so the combination of all those things, I think, have just been kind of hitting us hitting us hard.
0: And you said he was, of course, disappointing against against Tunisia. Friends being... A write-off. I mean, you beat France twice this season um, in in the in the Nations League. The two times that you've faced them, was that was that a bit of a we knew that at that time France was experimenting and that's why it was written off? Or how do you see from beating them twice to not thinking we're going to beat them at the World Cup?
2: Well, that's my opinion, by the way. So maybe other people would disagree with that. But yeah, I think from the way I saw it, I think the Nations League maybe France really didn't take it that serious. Um, and and they did chop and and change their lineups so so i uh, yeah i think definitely when it comes to the world cup france are going to be are going to be up to you know up to scratch and they're going to be very lethal so i thought it was too much of a beast for us to actually deal with um but tunisia was was the game that we had to make sure that we get a good result and then maybe you can go into the france game with a bit more uh, luxury and and then say okay we don't have to commit as much but yeah, I actually think we did okay against France. Like we 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 had, we created some good chances. Like we were better in the offensive phase. Um, but yeah, I mean, Mbappe is just too good.
0: <laughs> After that equalizer, there are there are two or three chances for Denmark that could have definitely uh, t- turned the game on its head. So yep. against Tunisia, you faced a, a back five that was really hard to break, and now you're about to face Australia, who just like Denmark, they they need a result to be able to go to the um, next phase, except that the dynamic might be a bit different because Australia is very euphoric after that win against Tunisia. That was their first win in the World Cup for 12 years. Their first, um, their first clean sheet in the World Cup game for 48 years. Um, so Australia's buzzing, and and they just can't wait to all wake up at 2 a.m. and and watch Australia against Denmark, and hopefully see their team going through. What, what do you expect um, Denmark to do against the the Socceroos?
2: Yeah, I think. I think we will definitely be more proactive in this game because we have more to lose. I think if Australia get a draw, it's kind of expected that France are going to beat Tunisia. So I think if Australia get a draw, they expect that that's good enough for them to go through. Whereas we need to win this game really to to, to progress. So I think we're going to probably have more of the ball. We're going to try and be more proactive and, and, and have more urgency. But in turn, that probably might give Australia some good opportunities to, to counter us um in transitions. So yeah, I think it's gonna actually be quite like one of those very tactical games. It's gonna be interesting.
0: There there is a world, there is a mathematic world where Denmark beats France, uh, beats Australia, sorry, and Tunisia beats France and Tunisia goes through, but that's a uh, that's a hypothet- hypothetical yeah. one, but, but but it could uh, happen for for anybody who was listening just in case um we, we don't get beaten by fate after that <laughs> um who, who do you think could be an next factor for for denmark during that game we mentioned all those all those players that have struggled a little bit between you know the, the press conferences of what you've heard in Denmark which player you think can uh, can rise up to the challenge against the soccer um
2: I was quite impressed with the um against against france so I think lot of a lot of, uh, a lot of um, Danish bloby fans because he's a Brunby Academy product was crying about him not playing um, the first game so I think I think the manager has seen some some positive stuff from him so I think we will see him I think if if we can unlock him and make sure that that he um, gets you know those chances and gets into those positions he will definitely be key I think also Yoki Mele will be key because I expect us to probably set up in the same three at the back system that we have throughout the, the tournament. So we're gonna continue relying on the fullbacks and, and Mele just if, if if he shows up on his day, he, he's he's a very good player. So I think those are the two players I, I expect to to be quite instrumental in, in in how we perform.
0: Mele can play both on the on the left and on the right. You you say you expect sort of the same um, three defender and two fullback. Is that Mele on the left and Nielsen on the right? Or or is that Vass starting to bring a bit of experience? What do you think? um, How do you think Yulman plays that one?
2: Yeah, he's been playing um, Rasmus Christensen on the right and then Mele on the left. So I don't think he will change that. Uh, To be fair, we don't really have that many options. I mean, we do have Vass, but. I think Yulman has shown in his selections that he considers kind of those two, Christensen and Mele, to be his his main main starters at fullback position.
0: Yeah, and if if Mele is having a game on as a left back, Australia um, maybe on the right side is where they've shown the most weaknesses. The Australians, have you have you watched them play? What do you think of the of the Socceroos in this World Cup?
2: Yeah, I watched um, I watched a bit of the France game. And they looked quite impressed. I mean, they, they did score first, and then it looked like, okay, maybe this this is another interesting, you know, France tournament. But then, you know, France did what they had to do. But, yeah, um, definitely impressed by the victory against Tunisia. Like, um, I don't know what the, the odds were on that game, but, you know, definitely either way, I mean, that's that's quite impressive. And they're the, in a good position right now.
0: What's the feeling in... Uh... In Denmark about Australia is that supposed to be a game that that should be easy to win or, or are we now bracing for a uh, for an upset because they beat Tunisia and they're ahead on the table
2: we expect I mean it is the expectation that we we win against Australia because we do have a stronger team on paper um but I think we we do have in the back of, of our minds what happened against Tunisia like you can't just win this because you have the better team on paper so we will definitely i expect the team not to be you know underestimated
0: if they do win and go through denmark i mean you know euro 2021 they were the dark horse made it all the way to to semi final despite you know all the events that were well documented um yeah. if they do win and they go through to the round of 16 how how far do you think denmark can go in that competition
2: uh, I think it depends a bit on what happens in Group C because I think the run the run the team that finishes second in Group D is either going to face Poland or Mexico or Argentina, I think. Yeah, that's, or
0: it's 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 open. I think you can face all of them. Even Saudi Arabia I could still finish first.
2: Yeah, sorry, yeah, even Saudi Arabia. <laughs> um, so I mean, if we if we end up facing say um, Argentina, then I, I find it hard, but. Um, If it's Poland, then we have a better chance. So quarterfinals, round of 16s maybe. And if I'm being optimistic, maybe semifinals. But we definitely, I mean, the problem is we haven't really shown the kind of form that we showed at the Euros. So, but anything can change. But if I'm being optimistic, maybe semifinals. If I'm using my brain a bit more, then probably round of 16s quarterfinals.
0: Hard, hard against head always uh, as as we're recording i'm looking at the score live and england scored twice in two minutes so now uh, england is winning 2-0 against wales and the u.s are winning um, 1-0 against iran so england will be top of group b u.s uh, second of group b and we'll have a uh, england against senegal and the u.s against netherlands in, in the round of 16 for the um, first games there interesting to see what they'll uh, what they'll give us that brings us to um the rest of the competition. Um which team really impressed you in, in that World Cup so far, Bashir?
2: Um there's been a few like interesting, like let's say underdogs. Um Saudi Arabia has been quite quite impressive, showed a lot of heart and passion. That that's the kind of World Cup spirit that's always nice to see. Um but I've also been impressed with some of the bigger teams, let's say, like Portugal looks like they're a serious favorite now. I didn't expect them to be that good or, let's say, that much of a favorite, but they do look like a serious team. Um, and, yeah, and then France. France, I just... They look like... I mean, they struggled a bit more against Australia, but when they click, they just look, like, really unplayable. Really unplayable. Especially with with the, with the players they have up front like Dembele and then Mbappe.
0: Yeah, it looks like whatever happens, they'll always find a way to... Uh... To get a goal or two so you're gonna to have to score three times to be able to uh to beat them <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so and, and, and portugal and brazil they have that i guess almost surprising um defensive solidity that maybe isn't where you expected their strength to be because yeah. of the talent up
2: yeah front, right yeah. yeah i forgot to say brazil yeah brazil looks like a team as well yeah. serious favorites
0: any, any any team that well i guess what in that disappointed you the most uh so far if there's one
2: Um'm not sure I'm not sure I I guess Qatar like if I have to be For sure yeah. blunt yeah, I expected more from them as not just as a host nation but also because of the uh, I know they've they've invested a lot in football and they've kind of built this team, I think from like the youth rank up to now. so I thought I would see more from them at least I didn't maybe expect them to go through, but at least so some nice football, you know. I think they won the Asia cup recently as well. So they didn't mm-hmm. look like even competitive in the first game. So they've definitely been like the most disappointing team for me.
0: Yeah. Whether it's the, whether it's the nerves or, uh, or something like that, it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I, I have a bit of a, um, left field question. I don't know. Why, I don't know why I didn't think about sending you that question when I was, I'm um, talking to you, you said that you follow Denmark for, uh, um, for young age. Um, that team that we have now in Denmark and that of course did well at the Euro, is that one of the is that one of the very best generation that Denmark has had? If you of course if we remove um we know we have 92 that won the euro with the larger brothers, um, etc. But but ever since, is that the sort of the best group of player that you've been? I mean, there are some some real talent in there, Ericsson Jolberg Kier is injured, but Defensively, you still have um, Christensen and, um, uh, I can't remember now, the defender of uh, Fulham, right, get back Yeah, here.
2: Joachim Anderson, yeah. Yeah, Joachim uh, Is
0: Is that one of the better group that we have seen in Denmark? And also, is that why there's expectations that they're going to go a bit further in that <coughs> World Cup?
2: I would say it's, it's in terms of quality, it's definitely up there in, in like let's say, the last decade. Um but more than anything, I would say it's probably one of the most cohesive teams. Um, one of the things that you realize with with national teams is it's not always about having the best individual players. Sometimes the teams that have the players that drill the, the best together are the teams that do really well. I think we've we've ha- we have a team like the structure of the team is quite good, and we have solid quality across the field. Um, we I'm not saying we don't have weaknesses, but it's not glaring weaknesses and we've had that in previous years we've had like maybe we've had a good um attacking attacking players but then we've struggled with the midfield though we've had good defenses but not had good midfields whereas i think this these last few years we've 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 had solidity across the board
0: it's definitely a a team that is worth uh, watching Denmark and yeah we've been following them for for a bit i'm going to put you on the spot with a couple of predictions uh Bashir and I swear I won't hold them against you uh (laughs) what did you predict for that for that all-important game against Australia the last game of the of the group D
2: I have to back my team so I'm gonna (laughs) go (laughs) I'm gonna go 2-1 to Denmark I think it's gonna be tactical game but I think in the end I think we will we will edge it in the end
0: yeah, if it's 2-1, you'll be um, nail-biting up until the end of the game, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and what's your uh, what's your shot for the World Cup winner?
2: Um, uh. I'm going to say Brazil. I'm going to say Brazil. Just part of me wants them to win it, but they've been good but I also kind of want them to win it just because of the history and everybody loves Brazil, right? So yeah, I'm going to say Brazil but France is definitely up there as well as a the serious, you know,
0: serious. Both, yeah. both teams, I think, are uh, are targeted by most to get there. I hope there's an upset somewhere where uh, an amazing team comes out in in the round of sixteen. You know, sometimes teams struggles in the group and then finally, finally find themselves. bashir yeah. thank you, thank you so much for giving me um a bit of your time to to talk about all things um, Denmark. Uh, it, it, it's been a pleasure, and and look, I hope that I get to to have you again on the on the pod with Denmark. Uh, going through i don't know if i can say i hope that denmark is going through because i'm in australia but uh but but whether whether they do or not i hope that we can still uh chat soon about about football mate
2: yeah man i really appreciate it thank you for having me on it was uh, a really nice talk
0: no worries for do follow uh bashir on on twitter and go and check out the articles that he wrote a lot of um a lot of great insight great analysis um on on all the teams that is that is following and on the denmark national team specifically thanks everyone